It's Wednesday afternoon, which means we're nearing 24 hours since the first polls closed. And we still don't have a winner in the presidential election. But results are steadily coming in. Biden won Michigan and Wisconsin. This election update just came in. Joe Biden now predicted as the winner in another state. The Associated Press calls Wisconsin for the former vice president. Meanwhile, the vote counting continues in a handful of battleground states. Every legal vote in Georgia will count. Pennsylvania will have a fair election, and I will do everything within my power to ensure that the results are fair and that every vote is counted. But even before we have a clear winner, the prospect of legal battles and recounts is already hanging in the air. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Wednesday, November 4th. Coming up on the show, where things stand with the election, and a look at the legal challenges ahead. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. Have you eaten? Have you slept? I mean, how are you feeling at this moment? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've eaten. uh, There's a lot of stress eating last night. Uh Like uh, that wasn't actually unlike most election nights. My youngest daughter turned two yesterday. Oh, wow! Happy birthday! Yeah, thanks. So had an extra piece of birthday cake, and then uh, and yeah, lots of coffee and some breakfast this morning. Our colleague Mike Bender was covering the presidential race throughout the night. Well, how would you describe? the state of the race right now. It's 10.45 in the morning on November 4th. Right now, I think it's still very undetermined. And I'm not trying to be cute about that and or be like a, you know, Wall Street Journal down the middle reporter. Like, it does feel very unknown right now. There was a moment last night, I mean, you saw Trump in the East Room come out and say he had this big celebration planned and then all of a sudden they took it away. We were getting ready for a big celebration. Oh, yeah. We, we were winning everything, and all of a sudden it was just called off. There was a moment where it did feel like that last night, where the momentum did seem in his favor, and then it swung back to Biden. The Fox News decision desk is calling Arizona for Joe Biden. The Arizona victory for him is a very big deal. Since that Arizona victory last night, Biden got more good news this afternoon. He won Wisconsin and Michigan. Now, he only needs one more state to take the presidency, and he has a few options to get there. The biggest prize would be winning Pennsylvania, which has 20 electoral votes. But Pennsylvania's count could go on for days. And what do we know about Pennsylvania? What is the situation there, and when do you think results could be expected? Pennsylvania could take a little while longer. Like We may not know Pennsylvania until tomorrow. And it's really the surge in mail voting. There was just a huge push from Democrats to get their supporters to send their ballots in through the mail. That's been a years-long push from them. Democrats think they can um, win more elections the more people turn out. 
And the coronavirus really gave them an opportunity here to make the case for getting in these votes. The problem is these states aren't used to counting this many votes through the mail. So in a lot of cases, these votes have sat there in envelopes for days, if not weeks, only to be opened yesterday. And when you're opening ballots and feeding them through the machine one by one, it's just a very time-consuming process. Why do you think this race has turned out to be so close? I just think it's a really deeply divided and very polarized country right now. So in that framework, it's not all that surprising to see such a tight race. I think a lot of the media underestimate Trump's appeal and the American people's desire to put the pandemic behind us and to get back to an economic recovery. There's a lot of people that were enjoying the economy in the first few years of the Trump administration in a way that they hadn't during the Obama administration. Does that help explain why the polls seem to be so off? I mean, heading into this election, a lot of polls obviously showed that Trump was way behind. Mm -hmm. What does that say to you about the state of and or the future of the polling industry? I guess we just need to pay more for our polls, huh? I mean, (laughs) I do think it's a little early to sort of uh, write the obituaries for the polling industry. The, The national polls obviously did show a huge lead uh, for Biden. But some of these battleground state polls were were a lot closer. What do the results from Tuesday night suggest to you about where Trump's strengths are? For instance, he won Florida pretty comfortably, Ohio as well. So we've known Trump has a, a lot of appeal with the white working class voters, and that's obviously where his base continues But I think what we are also seeing is we saw seniors come back to Trump in a way that the polls weren't showing in places like Florida and Arizona. And Trump's, you know, held some pretty good numbers with the black community and Latino voters. Change in this country is incremental. And it's not surprising that we didn't go from a very close electoral map four years ago to a big blue wave this time around. So it seems at this point that the race is probably going to come down to those three crucial Rust Belt states of Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Why are why is that region so close, do you think? Republicans and Democrats kind of going into the election sort of viewed that region as, as one big state. The culture and the economy and the, you know, the, the whole social economic dynamics through from Philadelphia through Cleveland past Detroit into Milwaukee, are all sort of the same. It's obviously a place that has been sort of passed over by repeated economic recoveries. We've seen a lot of the manufacturing jobs leave. You and and all of our listeners know this story here about those white working class voters, but there's also something to the conservatism of the Midwest. And I think, again, that a lot of people there um, were feeling the effects of a strong economy in 2017, 2018, and 2019, and are eager for that to return. Even as the country awaits final results, on Wednesday, the Trump campaign said it's launching legal challenges to stop the vote count and for a recount in Wisconsin. What these and other legal fights could mean for deciding a winner, that's after the break. This episode is brought to you by C3 AI. C3 Generative AI enables rapid access to secure, traceable, hallucination-free insights from enterprise systems, all while using any LLM, helping enterprises turn the invisible into the obvious. Learn more at C3.ai. 
To get a better understanding of the legal challenges at play, we reached out to one of our colleagues. I'm Michael Amon, the law bureau chief. How often does a law bureau chief get pulled into an election like this? Not very often. I haven't been doing it for 20 years, but I think it's been 20 years since there's been uh, any kind of election where there could be this amount of litigation around it. Michael was expecting litigation this year for one main reason, the coronavirus. The coronavirus changed everything about how we think about voting. You probably voted yourself, and it's often you go into a voting station, and there's a lot of people around in indoor not very well ventilated voting site. And um, people thought that might not be such a great idea. Almost every state, I think more than 40 states, either passed new laws or changed election rules to make it easier to vote. Those changes made it easier to vote, but it also opened the door for legal challenges. The reason it opens up a lot of litigation is because states were making up rules on the fly. And there were just a lot of disagreement over what is or isn't confusing to voters, what is or isn't legal, what is or isn't constitutional. And because it was done so quickly and because it was done often by state election officials and judges and not by the legislature, that opened up the way for attorneys to really dig into some of these things. In the lead up to the election, the Trump campaign threatened to challenge the results. So both campaigns prepared for a fight. Both campaigns poured tons of legal resources into the battleground states where they thought there could be litigation. They were hiring local attorneys with experience in election law. In Michigan, Democrats took up a conference room in a hotel, and they called it the boiler room, where they're all going to gather and take calls from their election watchers. Outside groups have also brought their own resources, their own money, their own lawyers. And today, some of that legal firepower has been unleashed Like in the state of Pennsylvania, the Trump campaign has asked the Supreme Court for permission to intervene in an appeal about the state's ballot deadline. But some smaller court challenges are already underway. I'm in Philadelphia, outside the U.S. federal courthouse uh, for the Eastern District Court of Pennsylvania. Our colleague Sean Lee was at a courthouse today to cover a lawsuit filed by the Republican Party that's seeking to have some ballots thrown out. Basically, they're alleging that in Montgomery County, in the state of Pennsylvania, that uh, election officials illegally reviewed and notified voters of defective ballots before Election Day and allowed them to come in and correct the ballot. Republicans argue that reviewing the ballots and allowing people to fix errors broke the rules. They say this happened in Montgomery County, which leans Democratic, but it didn't happen in other counties, which they say could skew the final results. Now, on the defendant's side, the Democratic National Committee sent lawyers to defend the local election officials. They're saying that this is basically nonsense, that by doing this, they're not violating the integrity of the election, that they are just giving voters an opportunity to correct a ballot before they're officially accepted, and that they've been doing this for years. This case only affects 93 ballots. Now, 93 ballots probably doesn't seem much, but at stake here is whether this case will potentially set a precedent, whether maybe other counties in Pennsylvania bring these kinds of legal challenges. There's already a similar case in Pennsylvania State Court And if more cases like it follow, that could make a difference in such a close race. And Michael says we might see more legal challenges in other states. 
we could see uh, similar fights as to what we're seeing in Pennsylvania. The stuff in Pennsylvania could foretell what we'll see in Michigan, Wisconsin, and in Nevada, and maybe even North Carolina or Georgia, depending on how things shake out there. You could see ballot by ballot fights over whether someone used a nickname on their voter registration versus their actual name. There's fighting in Nevada right now over signatures in Clark County, which encompasses Las Vegas. It could get very nasty very quickly. Could those ballot-by-ballot challenges actually change the outcome? It's it's kind of a Hail Mary pass on any politician's part to go in and do a legal challenge instead of winning outright. But I think that, you know, with the stakes so high and emotions running so high on both sides, uh, there might be a lot of Hail Mary passes thrown. There could also be requests for recounts in key battleground states, like the recount the Trump campaign requested today in Wisconsin— And today also brought a big lawsuit. The Trump campaign sued to stop the count in Michigan, a state that went for Biden late this afternoon. The Trump campaign said that in some places they couldn't get access to observe the counting process. Whatever the outcome of these recounts and lawsuits, they could have one very concrete effect. They could delay the count. If you can delay, delay, delay in court, and prevent certain ballots from being counted, there are deadlines for when votes have to be counted. All states have to get their electors to Congress by December 8th. And if you can keep ballots from being counted in places like Pennsylvania or North Carolina or Michigan or Wisconsin, then you force states to make a choice about what they're going to count. You force judges to make choices for you about what's going to be counted. And I don't know exactly what the legal strategies will be to do that, but delay is definitely uh, a tactic here. So what are you and your team going to be watching for over the next couple of days? We're going to be watching uh, the margins in all these states. We're going to be watching how judges handle these initial lawsuits in Pennsylvania. Not every uh, legal challenge is created equal, and they could be thrown out right away. We haven't heard judges actually rule on these cases yet, and they may find them uh, without merit, or they could throw the result of the country's election into doubt. If the outcome does hinge on a legal battle or a judge's ruling that tips the election one way or the other, what should we make of that? The big fear would be even less faith in democracy if uh, the court has to rule on it and choose a winner or a loser. And, you know, when judges are called in to um, decide major emotional political issues, it often leaves scars uh, that last for a long time. That's all for today, Wednesday, November 4th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.